Listener Production. G'day, it's Rusty here, all set for part three of my podcast with Australian Motorsport Hall of Famer, Neil Bates. If you've landed here before checking out stages one and two, parts one and two, make sure you head back to the library and have a listen to those. There's a story about a test with Peter Brock that you are unlikely to have ever heard before. How the organisers of an event early in his career seated him well down the field and thought there was no way that this wild child driver from Canberra could possibly be challenging the established stars of the day for the outright win. The co-driving partnership with Coral Taylor, one of the longest in the history of the sport. The stern words of wisdom from motorcycle hero Michael Dowson. The call-ups from Team Toyota Europe and his rivalry that was an equally close friendship with the late Possum Bourne. We begin part three by continuing to talk about his time in supercars when endurance drives fitted around the rally program. Was there a drive there that perhaps didn't happen? Was there a phone call to go and do something? You know, either It might even be a, a co-drive that you um, would perhaps like to have done that didn't perhaps eventuate? Look, the... Uh what I you know, I probably made a few wrong decisions there. You know, at the time I um, drove with Paul Wheel mm-hmm. initially, and uh, Paul was very young, and and then um, you know I got the opportunity to go to Seton, so I I uh, thought that was a great thing, and then um, you know I have a look at that, and and the whole Wheel team lifted, had a really good car, and you know I'd said no to Keys, which Keys didn't like. People don't, you know. Mm. People like keys don't like no, so mm-hmm. so um, so then uh, we went there that year, and I was in the Seaton car, and they probably lacked a little bit of pace that year, and the the wheel car went incredibly well. So mm. I looked at that and thought, shit, I probably should have stayed in the wheel car. There. And mm. Greg Crick took that drive, and he was, um, but yeah, no, not really. Yeah, you know, I I um. Did a couple of years with uh, Seaton's, uh, did a couple of years with Double O Motorsport, mm-hmm. um, driving with Rodney Forbes. That's right. That's um, right. And then the last one we did was, yeah, in Tony mm. Noski's car in, in, in excess car. Mega. So I'm, I think I finished in the top 10 a few times and, yeah, enjoyed it and it was an amazing experience and, yeah, something to look back on. Pretty cool that that a rally driver, just as Colin Bond had done, you know, from the, that crossover <laughs> sense, was coming and playing in in uh, in supercars. We see Shane Van Gisbergen now dabbling in in some rallying. What are your observations of him as a as a rally driver from the, the supercar side of things? Yeah, it goes back to what we spoke about an hour ago, whatever it mm. was. Uh, yeah, you talk about um, car control. Shane has incredible car control. He has a huge interest in rallying. He grew up in a rally family. He so loves it. Yeah. He loves it and he was always going to be good at it. You know, and, and probably the highlight for me in supercars wasn't actually in a race, but I actually um, uh, did a test with Double O Motorsport at Winton and it was Lowndes, Crompton, Rodney Forbes and myself. And we were at the end of day one and I was the fastest wow. out of everyone. So in front of Lowndes and Crompton... And I remember Crompton saying to me, just be 
don't get too carried away because these things are so finicky. You know, you come back tomorrow because I they it was the first time they'd let me do my own setup. Gotcha. So here I am at the end of the day. I've gone faster than Craig Lowndes and mm. you know Neil Crompton. So I'm thinking I'm an absolute genius. And Crompton said to me that night, "Just be careful because they're so finicky." And yo, know, what was right? And I go, "Nah." I'm mm. thinking. I'm We're on to something here. I'm, yeah. I'm on to something and I'm mm. a genius. And I went back the next morning and I was about a second and a half off the base or something. How can this be? Like, mm. But but it was pretty cool at the end of the day to be, you know, we did green tyre runs and definitely he's some rally driver that's, you know, a co-driver that comes along and was fastest at the end of the day. So mm. that was a, a pretty cool thing. Pretty cool thing. The, I'll get to the boys in a moment. Have they got a little little thing in the back of their minds that they might like to do a Bathurst one day, either of them? Yeah, or, yeah. Or both Harris? of them have interest in circuit racing for sure, you know, um, and that's probably uh, stemmed through me, you know. Um, but yeah, both of them, you know, drive very well on tarmac as well as um, gravel. And, you know, when you look at when they go and do tarmac super specials or you look at South Australia last year, I think, you know, at the end of the first night, which was around it um in south australia there the oh uh, uh, uh i got a mental blank now um yeah. anyway keep going yeah yep. the, the, yeah they were so far ahead of everyone else by the end of that night that mm. the rally was almost over to a degree so yo know, it you know for sure they got skills on tarmac and they've done some 86 rounds and you know i think it's still Still taking a bit of uh, getting used to of all these other people around them smashing into them. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we talk about uh, a little story? You mightn't like going back over this, but the Corolla, I think the Corolla WRC car you had sold, you took it to Perth. Was it for the WRC round? Yeah, WRC. You took, round. took it to the WRC round. And I think the intent was you might run it a little bit and then sort of park it so it was safe for the sale. Yep. But Coral convinced you, no, 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 come on, one final time. Let's go. What happened? <laughs> we, rally Australia, we had, the, uh, we had the World Rally car sold, so it was 2001. Mm-hmm. And you've got to remember, you know, we're talking, um, you know, a team that doesn't have huge budgets. The yeah. sale of that car was $440,000. And important for the next phase so of whatever you're doing. Yeah. for the next phase mm-hmm. of whatever we're doing. So, you know, a, a team in the Czech Republic, was coming over, they paid a deposit, they were taking the car straight after the rally. Uh-huh. So they'd sent someone over who we knew from, um, who'd worked at Toyota Team Europe and he was the person to look over the car and tell them, yeah, it's a good car and you should definitely buy it and all that. So um, we go and do, so we'd had the discussion beforehand that we, yo, know, it was pretty risky yep. in, uh, you know, and maybe we should have a mysterious electrical problem or whatever. <laughs> so we do day one. There's uh, other cars over there, privateers who'd um, driven for Toyota Team Europe and all that sort of stuff. Um, and all of a sudden, after day one, we're leading all those people. So we were the first privateer in front of Possum, in front of all the other European privateers, all that sort of stuff. So we're doing incredibly well. And then, you know, I said, I'm really you know, nervous, here. nervous mm. about this. Mm. We should just tomorrow morning on the way to the first stage have a fuel pump failure or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Coral and, you know, Daryl was in total agreement with me. Mm-hmm. So Daryl Bush. Yeah, Daryl yeah. Bush. Yeah. So then where, you know, Coral talked us around 
that night and said, you know, we're doing so well, let's... So then we're in the second stage that morning and we come to a corner that was... uh, Coral has called to me a right five, which is a really fast corner, but it was Uh a right three. We go off the outside of the... You know, warp speed roll several times, you know, and, and I just get out of the car. We were so lucky. It was um, that had been logged on the outside and it was all ploughed, so we rolled a few times and that, but it didn't do a lot of damage to the car. But I was convinced Coral had called a right five, uh-huh. which is a really fast corner, and I said, you called that wrong. Like you, So she was, you know, beside herself. Yeah. So there was one of the few times where we, she actually walked off and left me to it because I think my, my mood wasn't that pleasant to be around. Okay. So, so um, and then we got back that night with the car, and um, they got the in-car camera out and back then they were recorders, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were recorders, yeah. and yeah. I think Scott Young came over and mm. they've played the, played the recorder and Coral called right three, <gasps> and um, I just misheard it and okay. yeah, you know, I. Maybe I wasn't concentrating mm-hmm. properly. You know, I did after that. I go, you know, I thought I was struggling with hearing a bit and whatever, and I went and got my ears flushed out, and all did of a sudden the world became a much normal. noisier place. Oh wow! But wow. Um, yeah, so that was. But the most amazing part about that, we were so fortunate. Didn't do any structural damage to the car. We had most of the panels to put back on it and that and they still took the car for the same money fantastic so uh yeah bit so of a heart racing moment i'll bet while you were juggling all that i'll yep. bet you brought up scott young there a moment ago david white an mm. old boss from channel 10 and scott would often pair up in a in a second car that you would run at uh, at target you would you would be competing with coral and often they would be in a Maybe a production spec Lexus or, so, or something rather, and you would you would run that for them. And one particular year, I don't know if you remember, but Graham Brown Mort, who used to work with Peter Brock right. and you yep. know legendary figure in the which Mort yeah. was at that day on in 1986 with a Brock Commodore. Was he when yeah. you were at, at Calder? Yep. Fantastic, yep. fantastic. Well, he is drafted in by them or you or whatever to be the the kind of um, mechanic on the run. You know when you're splitting resources and at different ends of the of the queue and what have you at, at Targa. So we, I'm Johnny on the spot turning up to do a bit of reporting and I see them there on the side of the road. I think we're going into Hobart and David says, oh, it's, it's, it's got a little bit of a vibration. I'm, he was a little bit unnerved by it. Well, not, not massively, but just, just, you know, he was conscious of it. <laughs> so Mort looks at me and he winks and he gets a hammer and he gets underneath the Lexus and he just sort of banged the, the floor. He didn't do one damn thing to it. And then he slid out from underneath the car and he goes, I fixed it. And he looks at me and he goes, don't you say a word. <laughs> <laughs> and off David and Scott went. They were, they were great years, yeah. weren't they, when you were, you know, and that's become um, in the way that you've done that, where I'm leading here is that you do do a bit of customer spec Things here now. In addition to your own Yaris program, you've either either assisted people with the purchase of a car that you've had, and you've helped with the the maintenance and running of it, and so on, haven't you? Yeah, we, we do some uh, customer work over the years. You know, you have a look. Last year we ran Richie Dalton in the Australian Rally Championship, and uh, you know, Laws won that championship. Harry was second. Richie Dalton was third. So, Amazing. you know, as a team, it was obviously a very very good result. And and you know, for Richie. It was an incredibly good result to be on the podium in the championship Shit, was something yeah. that you know he dreamt about so so uh yeah we have you know run 
various cars over the years for various people. And look, I've also uh, tried a lot over the years. You know, I sort of, I suppose, see myself as a bit of a, you know, I've been involved in the Australian Rally Championship for a very long time, you know, like mm. just recently, you know, we went to Tasmania, young guy in Tassie, Bodie Reading, did incredibly well there. So at the end of the rally, I said to him, look, if you want to do Perth, I'll take your car over for nothing for you. So Fantastic. you can do it, you know. In 20, when the year Nathan Quinn won the championship, we carted his car around for him for the whole year Absolutely. for nothing. You know, uh, you look at Taylor Gill, who's gone overseas at the same. moment. I, I've know, done be- some media training with him. Good young kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before he went, I uh, took him in out and we uh, gave him a drive of the Yaris because it's going to be very similar cars to what he's driving Fantastic. over there. So I just thought it was a good opportunity, you know, because I know that when I went over there, I'd never driven a left-hand drive car, never mm. driven a car like that. So I look at my own experience and, you know, if I can help him understand the car, understand what he's doing, give him a leg up before mm. he gets there, it's going to help, it's gonna help. Mm. you know, with, um, you know, when Troy Dow was, was um, you know, at his lowest with his, with his leukaemia, you know, I was talking to him in hospital and I said, just get yourself better, Troy, and at the end of the year you can come and have a test in the Yaris. So Fantastic. we took the Yaris over to Mount Gambier to an autocross track over there and he drove it over there and, oh, you know, well it was done. just an incentive. Mm. So I try and do whatever I can to to help young people make the championship better, mm. you know, encourage people because, you know, I think it's an amazing sport and and it's an amazing, cool championship and it's... You know, to me, it's still the most spectacular form of motorsport that there is. This rally business sure is exhilarating, but there are rare occasions it goes bear-shaped. Just ask this guest from the Rusty's Garage Library. Neither of us remember what happened, but... Um, we had a serious crash over a jump, which we had marked as like something like a nine left over jump, which is flat out 180 kilometers per hour and jumped into trees and stumps and all of those crazy things. Um, and then I woke up in hospital and the first person I see in front of me is actually Sue Evans and Jack Monkhouse and Simon Evans and Coral Taylor and all these people. And I'm like in the hospital, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's happened here. The US-based Aussie co-driver shares an incredible comeback story from that crash in her Rusty's Garage episode. Rhiannon also said Rusty shouldn't be allowed anywhere near pace notes. He's not bad with a mic, though. As someone who is on that basis as a as a, a many-time champion, as a team owner, um, it, you have this sort of custodian aspect of what you're talking about there. If you're crystal ball gaze, what... what things would you like to see the ARC maybe do over the next five to, to ten years? If I have a look at uh, the, you know, people talk about some of the best times in rallying mm-hmm. and they talk about in the late 70s when there was the factory Ford teams and Nissan teams and then they talk about, you know, Postman World Rally cars. But probably when I look at it, the strongest that I've seen it was in the early 2000s. Mitsubishi were there and all Mitsubishi sorts. Mitsubishi mm. were there, mm. you know, the Pedders were there. You know, uh, I looked era. at that and that was when we built the Group NP cars and if you had an average stage, you could be ninth mm. fastest and you sort of go, geez, ninth, what in the hell? Mm. And, and I have a look now and I've got to say this is a credit to Adrian Coppin. Um, you have a look now 
you know, there's a huge amount of cars there, a huge depth to the field. Mm. And, you know, you had a look in in Perth or whatever, you know, if, and, you know, there's a huge depth to the field and a whole lot of competitors. So it's heading to the moment where it's as, as strong a championship that it's what it's ever been in history. Mm. Um, you know, if you ask me what I wanted to see, would be more coverage of it. Yes. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's lacking that at the moment for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but as far as, you know, cars, depth of fields, everything, it's all very strong. But if there was one thing, for sure, coverage. coverage. Gotcha. In addition to what you're doing here, the, the 86 series in, in Australia has more or less exploded over the last, I don't know how many years it's been been running here now, to the point where it's got a multi-tiered sort of structure. You guys have been heavily involved here at Neil Bates Motorsport in the development of the cars, the, the build package, if you like, when a, when a customer buys them to want to go racing. Tell us about that because it's a it's a massive undertaking, mate, isn't it? And the new generation car is literally beneath us here. It's just been revealed in the last few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, the, um, the 86 series was uh, a uh, brainstorm between Mike Breen, Yoda, and that yep. wasn't long before he retired, um, Neil Crompton, Crompton. and mm. myself. And um, if you have a look, uh, Mike Breen had been involved in the TR7 series back in the day when he wow. worked for Leyland. He'd mm-hmm. been involved in the, the um, laser series when he worked for Goodyear and, you know, the 86 was the perfect car for it and it came out and, you know, the, yeah, that was spoken about and then we, you know, we went and developed a car and, and you know, the idea of that was to be an affordable package that mm. was on the main game, you know, and, you know, I... It's interesting, you know, you look at the time when it was announced and everyone goes, oh, you won't get 10 cars, you won't this. The other day is these days of social media, everyone's a, an expert, mm. keyboard expert. So, um, I mean, you rock up to Bathurst and the field is massive, absolutely well, massive. We've rocked up to the first round at Winton. I've never been so nervous in my life, oh, I think. Mm. There's 30, I think, I can't remember if it was either 38 or 39 cars. <laughs> like you're standing in the pit lane at Winton, they're just going out and out mm. and out and you go... When's this going to finish? And, mm. you know, you're thinking, you know, we're in charge of this. I hope they keep going round and round. And they went round and round. You know, look, initially there was a couple of tiny little um, teething issues, but, you know, essentially that series has run incredibly well. We've got a whole lot of champions out of it that are now in supercars. You know, we've got the, the Inclu- Will including Browns. Your nephew, including uh, your nephew, who's yeah, had great the, success in it, who's now yeah. running in Super 2, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got, you know, the Brock Feenies, we've got the Will Browns, we've mm. got the Cameron Hills, we've got mm. the Declan Frasers. You know, so it has been an amazing series with some amazing rallying. Others, the drivers, amazing rallying mm. and, you know, we've seen... Some incredible drivers come out of it. Yeah, amazing. Well done. And, you- and it's, it's, you know, when you look at what we sat down and spoke about initially, it's ticked every single box. Oh, well, that's to your, to your point. You all brought different strengths to that table <clears throat> and the execution from beginning to end, I think, from the quality build of the cars to obviously Mike's sort of vision for what it, it should be and Crompo's execution around the administration, even the social media and marketing that Toyota put behind it. I mean, it's just a great thing. And the fact that it's unearthed a bit of talent and helped them take that next step is is tremendous. Yeah, As we uh, need- Crompton and uh, Mike had the ideas. We just did all the work. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> They'll both laugh at that. They will. They will. <laughs> 
just diving in here quickly, don't misinterpret this. It's Neil being tongue-in-cheek. He said it with a smile, knowing full well that it's his collective work with Mike Breen and Neil Crompton that created something incredibly professional and it's delivering on its aim of cost-effective, ultra-competitive racing that helps those with talent on the pathway. Now back to the conversation. The Yaris is a world-class thing, mate. Um, just give people a little um, snapshot of it, if you, if you will. So we're talking, I think we're talking three-cylinder, three turbocharged. Um, what you guys have uh, have built here has sort of been recognised globally, I think, in, in terms of what you've been able to achieve with it too, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, look, it's a very cool car. We're the first people in the world to, to build a... Uh GR Yaris rally car. You know, we've had inquiries from all around the world wanting people to build us one, but mm-hmm. we just don't have the capacity to do that. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the thought of that uh, is uh, scary, just, you know, the amount of time and the amount of effort and everything into building them. You know, we're not big enough for that, but it's a, a nice thing. You know, uh, we had um, the head of... Kazoo Racing World Rally Team come out and have a look at it along with Norio from Fantastic. from Toyota Kazoo Racing in Europe. Um, you know that they're watching every single rally where we got engines from TGRE, and you know that they're incredibly helpful and interested in what we're doing. So that's a huge feather in our cap. That hand and glove connection is a massive feather in your cap, yeah, mate. It, that, that's it, tremendous. And, yeah. and you know it, it's you know so good to be involved with. With them and and uh, you know it, it's been an incredible journey with these cars. You know mm. we built them, two of them in four months, which was hell, mm. <laughs> and then went to the first rally and and got first and second in them. So so you know it's been uh, an amazing uh, car, an amazing journey with them. And yeah, they are very cool things. Like as you say, one point six liter, three cylinder, thirty two mil restrictor. Yeah, they make a massive amount of torque and and um, you know uh, around three hundred horsepower, six speed sequential gearbox and you know uh, yeah and, and you know if you have a look at that, we've competed against a whole lot of Rally Two cars and mm. been very competitive. So you know it's pretty cool to build something here that we can compete with you know cars that have had a lot more money and a lot more time and effort put into them. Mm. You know, it's a pretty cool thing. But in saying that, you know, we build cars because we have to. Mm. You know, like Toyota are building a Rally 2 car now and we can't wait for that. As soon as that happens, happens. we'll get one. You mm-hmm. know, I look, you know, so many times over the years we've built cars because we have to build cars because mm. Toyota haven't been producing one to use in, you know, in, in rallying, so so we've had no choice but to build them. But, mm. you know, that's – I enjoy that. It's incredibly good to do, but it's but it's hard work. I'll bet. With the exception of some of the, the extra massive overgrown wings and things, just to, to stand back and look at them and then look at the build quality inside them, it, it is almost WRC spec, mate. So you're to be, you know, congratulated. To be able to do that from basically Australia, from Canberra, Yes, okay, there is a little bit of connection to other things, but by and large from here, that's mega when you sit yeah, back and think about look, it. Look, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, have a look at what we spoke about before when uh, 
Bjorn Wallegaard drove the uh, ST185 and he said, a long way, you know, mate, nice road car. <laughs> and, and what we've all learned as a team, what, you know, Daryl's learned, what Ant's learned, what Sam's learned. You know, a couple of years ago, I sent um, Harry and Lawson Sam over to Rally Finland because unless you see this stuff, you don't understand it. Mm. You know, you, you need to know what the world's best practice are if you're going to try and build the world's best practice. So, mm. you know, we're not... Uh, shy in sending them over to have a look and mm. understand and copy and, you what? know, know what's best. And, and you know, if you have a look at these latest Yaris's, they're, they're underweight. They've got a whole lot of ballast in them. They've got an incredibly low centre of gravity. You know, if you have a look at us, us over a team, we've gone from building, modifying a row car, rally car, to building something that's, you know, almost as good as a rally two car. Agreed. So it's a pretty cool, you know, and you have a look at, Daryl's taught himself to to do CAD drawings. You know, mm. Sam's a mechanic by trade, taught himself to be an incredibly good fabricator and we'll do our own body shells. You know, Ant's learnt the the whole Bosch stuff and we do our own wiring. We do, you know, so as a team I'm incredibly proud of what we we do, what we've achieved and mm. and how far we've come to understand to build something as good as most other things in the world. I want to take that word pride and extend that to the two boys. Did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine that a father and two sons would be in the record books as Australian rally champions? I mean, that that globally in a statistic sense is nigh un, un, unheard of, mate, just remarkable. Yeah, it's something that, uh, you know, it, it's till you say it, I probably don't think about it, but it mm. is a remarkable achievement and I thought I'd actually got away with uh, out them being involved in rallying because Harry was an AIS race walker and Laws was the first grade soccer player and all of a sudden one day they came, well, Harry got compartment syndrome in his mm. legs which and had to have an operation for that and then... He, they, he was almost going to be looking at potential Olympic material, wasn't he? Like like AIS, that's that's the development for that. I mean, he was very serious, wasn't yeah, he? With that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Like he was training every morning, every night, you know. And, um, yeah, but then when he got compartment syndrome in his legs, he had to have an operation on that and then they cut the walk program and then Coral couldn't do a rally in Queensland. He navigated for me, which was a mistake. And all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, he had the rally bug. And yeah, but yo, look, they're both done incredibly well. Yo, Harry started off in rallying, had a dream run. Yo, his second ever rally, Coral navigated for him, which was at Naruma in a front wheel drive Corolla. Mm-hmm. And I remember the director of the rally sending someone over to the service park to see whether I was in there. Because really? he was leading the rally against four-wheel drives. About checking you, know, you weren't you know, subbing. They, <laughs> they honestly thought I was you know, wow. I was uh, subbing and, and they wouldn't find me in the service park. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then Lewis's start to rallying was uh, a bit harder because mm. he had a few, uh, you know, in his first ARC round he was doing incredibly well and then he slipped off the road into some dry grass, then the car caught fire and burnt to the ground. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so he had a pretty rough start to he it all. But, mm-hmm. but he's, it, you know, probably took him a little while to come back. But, you know, I look now, they're both incredibly competent drivers. You know, mm-hmm. Harry went over to New Zealand 
last year and whilst he had a pretty average run over there he still got three fastest times in Fantastic. WRC two mm. and you know uh you know we didn't we probably didn't put enough into that rally didn't do enough testing hadn't driven on the tires before but um you know he certainly showed that he had the speed mm. um you know so you know he's got you know you've looked now they're both very, very competent and doing incredibly well. Things. And, you know, people always say you must be proud of that, but probably the thing that I'm most proud of is they're both nice kids, kids. never giving us any trouble. Yeah. Or, you know. Can I – you've got some quotes in here. I don't know if you want me to share them. They're on the whiteboard Yeah, no, here. that's all good. Lewis Bates on the left says, my dream is to play for the Socceroos, to go to the ARC and to win the championship. My dream is to win the World Cup. That's Lewis Bates, 2003. Harry Bates, 2003, has written, my journey, beautiful handwriting too, my journey is to go to the Australian and World Rally Championship. My dream is to win the World Rally Championship. I'd love to think the boys, mate, would, you know, Harry's been to New Zealand, as you talked there before, to do a bit more international stuff. Do you think that is in the pipeline maybe for them, depending? It's hard to know that. It's, mm. you know, uh, it's probably been very hard for the opportunity to do that because, mm. you know, he drive for Toyota and they've never had a car for that before. So to do New Zealand, we had to obviously get a Skoda and, you know, to put all that together, you know, you, you have a look at that. Harry worked for six months trying to make that deal all come together and you look at that, he was probably almost a wreck before he got, got to the there. rally. Mm. But given that Toyota are doing a Rally 2 car in the future, they you know, there could well be opportunity there you know we'll just have to have a look at that along the way and see for sure if mm. there was any opportunity you know they'd both take it good with with open arms. arms don't compare them as drivers because i don't reckon that's fair with you with your kids <clears throat> two-part question a do you get nervous or did you ever get nervous because i mean you started doing stuff with them like like hill climbs and maybe carna crosses and stuff from yep. 12 years yep. onwards didn't you yep. so did you ever get nervous at all for them did you because I mean, it changes all of a sudden you're the guy who doesn't mind being that wild child with long hair and what have you to now it's your own flesh and blood that's a very different thing it, it is and it is incredibly hard you know it took like i watched coral go through this and i used to sort of think oh, yeah, I thought I'd dodged a bullet and that, that wasn't going to be happening. But I do find it incredibly difficult. I do get incredibly nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I struggle to watch Rally Safe because sometimes the dots stop and, you know, so then you think that they've had an off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have got better with it over the time, but I walk several kilometres up and down the service park every rally while they're out, out on the stages out of nerves and... Yo, know, as I say, I have got better, but I'm still struggling with it. And I, yo, know, I remember a few years ago having this conversation with Alistair McRae at a rally going mm. as we're pacing up and down the service park. Because <laughs> he's going through that now yeah, too, yeah, isn't he? Having a laugh at each other going, yo, how do we end up here? <laughs> they are wired differently though. Aren't yeah, they? That's where they I'm are. going. I don't want to compare their driving because I don't think that's fair, but... but you know, you talked a little bit about Lewis before, and I mean, Harry's immensely organised, but they, they, they are different. But they go about the the um, when they're in the you know behind the wheel, they are both immensely competitive human beings, aren't they? Yeah, look, uh, Harry, you know, Harry probably does it more naturally, and he's you know the most amazing thing is growing up. Lewis was a wild child and Harry was a conservative one. <laughs> but when it comes to rallying now, I'd probably call it the other way around. Really? So really? Okay. Harry's, you know, Harry's just in there and at it and, uh-huh. you know, 
and Laws thinks about it more and, you know, he's probably a little bit like more like I was Mm -hmm. as as a driver. You know, he's probably a bit more calculated, thinks about it a little bit more, probably thinks about the car because he works on it probably, Mm. you know, Harry doesn't give a shit about any of that. He's just (laughs) into it. So, yeah, they do go about it very differently but Laws has, you know, proven in the last 12 months that he's becoming very, very good and, Mm. you know, Harry... Harry's uh, definitely looking in the mirror. Cool. Pride was the word you used before. The extension of that pride also goes to Molly Taylor. I know you have been overseas and stood on the side of the road and watched her driving and then offered feedback in a kind of in a kind of coaching sense. What you know, there's lots of people that have been involved in that, and primarily she is a very big, very big driving force on on her own. But what she's been able to achieve, mate, is tremendous it's remarkable on the global stage really isn't it so. yeah for sure look obviously i've done a hell of a lot with molly over the years and um still do you know uh you look a couple of years ago she when um when she uh got replaced at rosbergs and then she was in a bit of a uh probably you know a bit of a dark place from uh uh what's the driving. future hold yeah, what's yeah. the future yeah. hold yeah. started doubting her ability yeah, and then when she got uh, the gig with Veloce, yo, I said right. So we went and did some some driver training and some stuff where I put her against Harry in a car that they hadn't driven before, just and some high intensity stuff where they, yo, was short, quick because if you have a look at Extreme, it's all about going quickly straight away, mm-hmm. and yo, and to see Molly bounce back. From that and do what she's been doing this year in Rossberg Extreme Air. must wonder what he let yeah. go, mate, seriously. Where so, she's now the fastest woman mm, again, mm. which is where she started in this mm. whole thing. Yeah, it's, it makes I, I said to Molly after the, la, the round before or whatever, I said it's a hell of a lot easier watching this when, you, when you're winning than when you're driving around <laughs> doubting yourself. So I said, uh, yeah, need to keep this up definitely. Well done. So, yo, look, she's an incredibly good driver um, in her own right. For mm-hmm. sure, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll see her back in the ARC at some stage. I agree. I hope that happens sooner rather than later. Um, you like driving trucks. The Peterbilt is something pretty special. When you go over the Nullarbor, Coral drives it sometimes too. Do you do the Hollywood shifts and she's up at night driving, or what? Do, what how does that all work? Who told you that? Look, I, I'm. I actually drive over on my own this time, which is only the second time I've ever done it. Every other time, I don't know how many times I've been across the Nullarbor, probably 60 or 70 times or something. Chad, Harry and the boys all tell me, if you get in the car in the passenger seat, one of the first things you do is turn the radio music down. Is that right? I I just (laughs) don't on, you know, I look at uh, the world and everyone idolises these singers who generally, uh, Mm. you know, cocaine addicts and mm. you know they're all in in and out of rehab and whatever and we idolize all these people i, I just don't understand Stand that whole that world stuff. but anyway mm. that's uh if you know if we behave like that we'd be all over the news everywhere and totally and wouldn't have a drive and wouldn't have a gig and wouldn't have anything totally can we highlight just as we come toward the end here um someone pretty special in this whole journey and that's your lovely wife mate so harry reminded me that in 1997 uh, I was going to bring that up if you well, didn't mention it. Jane, Jane I, I think at the, <clears throat> at the time you had a two-year-old in, in Harry. Lewis had just come along, if I've got that right. You were driving the Super Touring Camry 
doing some international stuff, some local stuff, no doubt other things around Toyota, etc. You were on the road fundamentally 260 of the 365 days. That was a massive commitment from her. I mean, it has been yep. a whole way, but that I, in particular. I would, this came up uh, only a few weeks ago and I said to Jane, I look at that now and this probably came up because Harry just had a baby. Hmm. I think how could have I been so selfish? But Jane said that was your job, job. you know, and hmm. the, the most amazing thing about that, I met Jane in, uh, well, we got married in 1989 and, you know, Jane had an interest in rallying because she was friends with David Eady at the time, who mm-hmm. I was competing with in the New South Wales Rally Championship. But, uh, yo, they say behind every uh, good bloke is a, a stronger woman and, yo, that is 100% the case in my in my life. You know, Jane has just been the rock that looks after everything while I, you know, work stupid hours, go away all the time, drive mm. race cars. But, yo, as you say, in 1997... Harry was two, Laws was born. I did the Australian Rally Championship. I did the Super Touring Championship. I did the Enduros in the Supercars. I did the Race of Champions. I did, you know. What a year. Mm. Targa, you know, I was just away more than what I was here. And I also did three rounds of the World Rally Championship that year. We did New Zealand, Indonesia, Rally Australia. So, yeah, you know, the... The amount I was away was ridiculous and Jane never, you know, I was just off doing my thing thing and Mm. Jane never complained, never, which I just look back at now and think how could have I been that selfish? But Mm. I suppose it's a very selfish industry that we're in at times and and, um, you need that support at home and I've, you know, I've had that my whole life, which I'm incredibly grateful for and... Yeah, what can you say to thank that? You know what yeah, I mean? Like it's yeah. just, yeah, Amazing. yeah, it's incredible. Amazing. You have given me a couple of notes here. We've talked about um, zero, zero, Glenn Seaton, Paul Wheel and so on. You've noted here 12 hours. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I did uh, quite a few 12-hour races. I did them with Toyota in the early 90s with um, MR2s Twos. and we, yeah. we won our class several times. We came fourth outright twice in an MR2 in a class car. Once we were six seconds off being on the podium, which was behind the RX-7. So they were an incredibly good car because you could drive them flat out all day. They didn't wear brakes out. They awesome. Nothing broke on them. So yeah. you just did qualifying laps every lap for 12 hours, which was really cool fun. And then, you know, at the end, while all these other things are smouldering wrecks running around 10 seconds a lap off the pace, you're hauling them in mm. and... Yo, know, if, if it went for a few more hours, we would have been on the podium. podium. So mm. so they, they were enjoyable days. We had Fangio come out um, That's right. from, you know, a couple of times and that was really cool. He was a really nice guy, a very quick driver. Then I did the 12-hour a few times with Colin Osborne in sleekers, in class cars once again, you know, got some incredibly good results because they're another car that you could drive mm. around, you know, flat out all day. No, yeah. Was there a Did, Viper in there somewhere too? Yeah, yeah, I drove a Dodge Viper in a three-hour race, which, um, you know, that was an incredibly cool experience because you look at a Viper as one of, as a pig of a car and heavy and no brakes and all that sort of stuff, which, you know, no brakes was definitely a truth. But the, the interesting part in that race, we qualified on pole mm-hmm. and it actually got fuel surge on the lap. 
so I uh, could have been on pole by more. And then everyone thought it was going to run out of brakes. And I remember Alan, you know, when I look back at the coverage, Alan Jones was was um, commentating and mm-hmm. goes, oh, yeah, you know, this thing is really fast, but it'll run out of brakes right. soon. And yeah. then, you know, lap 10 and lap 20 and lap 30 and, you know, like, and it's still forging ahead. And uh, had a, and also it had, everyone thinks it's going to be heavy on fuel, mm-hmm. but it had incredibly good fuel consumption and um, we we hooked up a temperature gauge to the brakes mm-hmm. and we had a set of brakes in it that if we didn't go over 650 degrees, they were, they were an endurance pad, they'd last forever. So we had a digital readout on the dash with brake temperature mm-hmm. so we could keep an eye on the brake temperature and we just kept it under 650. Did the whole race without brake, without a brake pad change. And I drove the first stint. I was driving my – it was Ray Lintot's car. Yep. And um, we were driving a guy, American guy, Neil Hammond, who raced Vipers in America. Mm-hmm. He was the co-driver. And he came over and bought a tune over with him and it ran, you know, incredibly lean, was incredibly good on fuel. And, um, you know, we should have won that race, but it was um, – uh, the Ferrari ended up winning, but uh, we got black flag because it was – blowing a bit of smoke because the diff got so hot it started melt, melting the diff uh, seal and it was dripping diff oil onto the exhaust so they brought us into the pits to, to you know, I, yeah, I look back at it, it was, you know, not sure that we should have been called into the pits, pits. at all okay. but okay. we were because the Ferrari was coming second and it was mm. a Ross Palmer event and, yeah. you know, we can have whatever conspiracies Seriously. we want. But mm. but the end result is, you know, the car was incredibly fast. We made it do the whole race without changing brake pads and then at the end, we even though we didn't win or anything, we spent about six hours at scrutineering pulling the fuel tank out because no one could believe it went that far on fuel. Wow. So, uh, it, you know, it was an interest, yeah, interesting weekend and, and, you know, interesting that, one, we got the brakes hold up and, mm. secondly, we went far longer than everyone else on, on our load of fuel, mm. which made it uh, – and, and it was, an, you know, an incredibly well-balanced car. car. You brought up Ray Lintot there a moment ago, you know, former <clears throat> um, car dealer in, in Sydney. I reckon he bought an ST165 at one point into the country. That, that was the car I drove in Rally Australia, Australia. in 1991. And the most – a couple of – Incredible stories about that. Once when he got that car, he wanted me to do some rally driving lessons with him, mm-hmm. and we went up to Hiles, uh, which, which is, is where a, here in Canberra, here mm-hmm. in Canberra, a stage mm-hmm. in Canberra that I know incredibly well, and I drove him along that stage with him in the passenger seat, and when we got to the end, he was literally hyperventilating, like he just went, "You got to be kidding!" So then we spent the day, and we started off with doing handbrake turns, yep. and he said. You know, and at one stage he got it wrong and he said, why can you do handbrake turns and and I can't? And I go, well, when we were 16, Ray, you went to Parramatta Road to make your first million. I was out in the forest on handbrake, <laughs> handbrake turns. turns. So now we're in a situation where you can afford to buy this and you're very wealthy and I'm bloody good at handbrake Brake turns. turns. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right, the, the memory I have of that car... Um, Mark Taylor, Coral's husband, had driven a media car on the Australian Safari and I was with him for that. And I had to return something to them after the event and, um, you know, so they were in, I think, Sydney's northwest at the time. So I went not far from from where I'd grown up and I, I 
went around to drop it off, whatever it was, and um, Mark gives me this kind of wry smile and he goes, hey, 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 come on, I'll show you something in the garage. And he opened the garage of their house and there was this plain white, I think it was plain white, was it? WRC spec car for, for a while. And did you guys, I think to make it a little bit easier on Ray, I think you de- you put a different chip in it to detune it or something. Yeah, because yeah. he ran that car in some gravel rallies and then ran it in Target Tasmania and we made quite a f- some changes to it just to make it a little nicer so, and probably yeah. a little... Uh, user-friendly. More user-friendly. Mm, but mm. Um, the most amazing story with that car, when Ray sold it, he offered it to me. Uh-huh. Um, Ray offered me a couple of cars uh, because his 996 Porsche was the most unbelievable car and we did the, uh, a whole lot of work on that, including going to um, Porsche North America and tuning it and, mm. you know, and then um, for the engine, like on an engine dyno in America and then, then but that car Ray offered me for 70 grand and then it sold a few years later in England because that car won more points than any other car in the World Rally Championship and it sold for £1.2 million. Pound. <laughs> the other thing that happened when Ray uh, passed away in mm. his will, there was a clause in the will for me to purchase that 996 Turbo and and at the time it was 90 grand and I it was probably worth 120 or so at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, know, you got to have the ninety grand spare at the to time and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And I didn't do that. And it was three or four years later, they were worth like four hundred, oh. and now they're probably six or seven hundred. So crazy. So yeah, crazy. Boy, everyone's got those stories. Stories, they don't should they? Should have, don't they? Few to finish. Firstly, Sandown five hundred. You asked me to <clears> to um, bring that up with you. Yeah, it was probably you know, in circuit racing terms, it was probably my. Most exhilarating, exciting race, mm-hmm. uh, Sandown 500, and it was uh, uh, when they were GT cars. So mm-hmm. I was in a Porsche with Steve Webb, yep, um, and John Bow was in the Ferrari, and Steve drove first, and then I hopped in, and and we were leading the race, and and um, John Bow was hunting me down towards the finish, and you know, it came down to the last few laps, and and. Um, and it was an incredibly good race, and and yeah, you know, you know, we were doing qualifying laps right at the end of a 500k race. John Bow did end up getting me, but that was, yeah, you know, we finished nose to tail, unreal. And it was a, a very cool race, race. where, uh, you know, I felt like I I did an incredibly good job and very yeah. memorable, special, yeah. special to you, Righto. The car, is it the? 205 is that and it could it be any anything you've driven over time it doesn't have to be one that you've built the car probably the 205 yo know, when i look at the ra40 that's just the most fun car you could ever drive but mm-hmm. there's something about the 205 that i just have a special a special bond with I, you know i think we won a lot with it it was the first proper Group A rally car that we ever built, mm-hmm. you know, so target success in it. Target success yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is, there is uh, a special bond with that car for sure. The stage or the piece of road? Probably the best stage would be a stage. Yeah, my favourite rally used to be Rally in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a stage called Akron Way that um, I just absolutely loved and that was probably my favourite stage, yeah. Okay. 
from uh, the event that you would perhaps love to have a crack at that you haven't done? Could be anything, circuit, rally, anything. <clears throat> the, you know, when you look back and you talked about the WRC and you talked about various things, you know, I don't have the, – if there's one little regret I have – Don't have regrets, but anyway. Yeah, yeah don't yeah. have regrets. Mm-hmm. But if there was one thing that I probably should have done, which we did talk about a few times, was do a tarmac WRC round. Okay. Because, you know, I was always very good on tarmac. I had the rally skills and I would have – you know, if I look – I would have loved to have gone Catal- done Catalonia Lunia. back, you uh-huh. know, back when it was it was the essence of a a tarmac rally that was more like circuit racing than gotcha. any other rally. So I would have loved to go and do that just to see how I went. The win or the moment? It's interesting, you know. You do so much in your career. Probably uh, when the win, probably the first time I went to Otago, uh-huh. because everyone, including Murray Kutu, I'm I've mentioned Murray quite a few times in this. We're very, very close and, you know, we've done enormous amount of suspension development and stuff over the years. And when I was going to Otago, you know, we built a car to go over there and beat the escorts and everyone told me you couldn't be competitive there the first time, including Murray for the first time ever. He probably didn't Mm. back me. And I remember getting to the finish of that rally. We're on the transport driving out of the last stage and I rang Murray and said, Hey. Hey. <laughs> Thought you couldn't do this the first time. We just won it. <laughs> I don't know if I've got my ages right here. I can't even picture you being 58. Am I right in saying you're, you're, yep. a, you're a yep. grandfather? Yep. Um, you still seem so so ridiculously young to me. Um, are you slowing down? I don't, I, don't, I don't ever recall you saying that you've stopped driving. I don't know that you – like if an event came up now, you'd still go and do it, I'd still you? go and do it 100%. Mm. You know, the only reason I'm not competing at the moment is time. You know, mm. I, there was a rally sprint here in Canberra that I went to do twice this year. got called off once for fires and the second time for flooding. So, mm. so you know, for sure I, I still want to do some rallies and I haven't stopped that. You know, Has it been hard to slow down though is what I'm asking because obviously the business takes – a precedence the boys are going exceptionally well but that means the thing that you've loved and that has been the backbone of this whole whole deal slows up has that been hard to yeah back on that? for sure it has been because i love driving and you know sometimes i'll hop in a car now and you feel a little bit rusty and you think geez i need to do more of this to you know mm. and it was good you know with the development of this new 86 i i did a couple of you know i did a day at sandown where it was just a whole day and just uh, um, got to enjoy the pleasure of driving. Got to enjoy mm. the pleasure of driving and, you know, by the end of the day I thought, I'm actually going pretty bloody good here. So, Excellent. you know, but it takes a little while. The less you do it, you know, the you're not, you know, if I jumped in the rally car now, you know, I would still probably go very quickly, but would I be absolutely on the top of my game now? And the answer to that would be no because I'm not doing it all the time. Mm. When you're doing it all the time, you're, you know, you're right there, you're right right on it mm. and um you know had, but it's i suppose a change in life i still want to compete i did a hill climb in the 205 there not long ago and set a new class record at the hill climb and you know um finished second out right behind an open wheeler and you know i i, cool. I still love driving i still want to do it mm-hmm. but it's not my main focus these days and you know and when you talk slowing down at the moment it's totally out of control, but I would like to, you know, I, I don't mind being busy but out of control 
becomes mm. a bit much, much. at times. Mm. And yeah, I'll be happy when we've built 35 of these 86s Sixes. and mm. hopefully I can slow down ever so slightly. You are, I mean, one thing that's permeated this whole discussion, and it's been long, thank you, mate, for, for the time in this. I've wanted to do this for a long, uh, a long while now. Long-termers that are a part of, of this business, 34 years with Toyota, remarkable for a young man who worked two jobs from a very humble upbringing, to think that you've created this, have had the success that you've had, whether it's rallying, Bathurst, you know, podiums and, and more. Um, the, the longevity of that relationship is a credit to you, mate, I think, so... Yeah, probably. As I say, you know, Toyota are an amazing company. I you know, work with some amazing people there and they're it's being... rare. It's rare in motorsport now, don't you reckon, to have that sort of – people change. They, you know, they get lured by something else and we're in this fast-paced life uh, that younger people seem to adapt to so, so well. To have that longevity, mate, is, a, is an immensely rare and special thing, I think. Yeah, look, it is, and I think that I'm an incredibly loyal uh, person, I think that Toyota are an incredibly loyal company. And as I say, I've worked with some amazing people there. And, you know, it hasn't always been, you know, beer and skittles along the way. There's been some hard times on my part, their part, whatever. But, you know, we've, we've always managed our way through it and, mm. and we've come out the other end. And, you know, like you talk doing other stuff, it's hard to even imagine anything without a bull's horn on it. And, mm. You know, it's, um, yeah, it, it, as I say, I can only thank them and hopefully they think the same. And But, yeah, you know, it's got years to go. You know, we've got still forging ahead with the 86 series, with the new series and all that sort of stuff. So, so you know, it's, there's Rally 2 cars coming that obviously we want to get and mm. compete with. So, um, you know, it's certainly not over, and but it's been an amazing journey and, you know, I just feel incredibly grateful and and motorsport is you know as you would well know it's incredibly tough climbing at times incredibly mm. hard work but mm. to do something you're passionate about is you know i've driven to work for you know 40 years now working out how you go and make something lighter how you go and get more power how you go and get a lower center of gravity how you you mm. know like to think about improving stuff and that on a daily basis, you know, it, it's a pretty cool job. Mm. Congratulations on everything. As we wrap this up, are you grandpa? Are you grandfather? What, what's your what's your um, nickname? I'm um, Pops. You're Pops. Yep. I love it. I love it. I'm um, Pops and Jane's Flip. She'll <laughs> what? It. Well, because when Jane doesn't swear, so when something she goes wrong, she says Flip. Flip and L. <laughs> flip, flip instead of the other. So so little Harry's called a Flip and that's just stuck. Stuck. So, awesome. so I'll all... Well, uh, no, Jane has flipped. But, um, yeah, look, as I say, you know, one thing that I've got to emphasise with all this, you know, we're talk here talking with me about all this, but the people behind you that that make this happen along the way, you know, mm. I'm, I look at myself, I'm not the, I'm not the world's smartest person, but uh, one thing I've learnt in life is to surround yourself with incredibly good people, people. and I look at... I look at Daryl, I look at Peter Reynolds in the earlier years, I look at Sam that we've got here mm. now, I look at you know, Harry and Lawson now, an integral part of the business, I look at Ant, you know, there's some amazing people that have made this happen and, and um, you know, if you 
looked at me trying to wire a car, that would be not a very pretty exercise. <laughs> and yo, and you looked at me on CAD. I don't even own a computer, so uh, yo, you, you have to have the right people mm. and some incredibly smart people. Like I, I feel that we got some of the best motorsport brains in this country mm. in in this little shed in Canberra. Mm. You should feel proud. They're a reflection of you and how you you run this thing. Congratulations. Thank you for sharing the story, mate. It's been great to get you on. No worries. Thank you very much. I'll be able to listen to it on the way to my next bird trip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if my voice drives you mad. Thank you. Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series editor and producer is Thomas Dullard. Audio production by Link Kelly. If you've got a guest suggestion, get in touch with me via social media. The Garage, that's where a journey begins with a tank full of passion-fuelled stories.